This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. Closing in now on our 100th episode of the Arsenal News Show. We've done over 100 of the transfer shows, so it's about right that we're getting close to that number 100 figure on the news shows. Good morning to everybody in the chat box joining us and making this part of your morning routines as always. Grabbing that cup of tea, orange juice, whatever you like, cereal. I'm a bit of a bagel man at the moment. Cinnamon bagels are the one. Just just putting that out there. Matt G, good morning to you. Olu, uh, we've got... By the way, I, I, I made the, the stream. And by the time I clicked onto the YouTube link, which literally takes me about 10 seconds, Matt G had already put a message in the chat. That the, the dedication is unbelievable. I, I can't understand your speed. How do you know? How do you know, Matt? It's, it's really weird. G Norburn, Paul, Vinny... Uh, good morning to all of you. Uh, Harvey, Colin, uh, GGC for you, Ali, Adam, Bruce. Uh, we've got, uh, we all follow the Arsenal, John T, Afsar, Eamon, Morgan here as well. Uh, and so many more of you. Sorry, I can't say good morning to everybody, but uh, otherwise I, I really would be here for a very, very long time. Um, we've got a lot to go through today. It's your birthday, Amandeep. Well, wish Amandeep a happy birthday, everybody. That's for sure. That's what you need to do. Uh, big HB to yourself, mate. Big HB indeed. Um, let's crack on, though, and talk about the news uh, by telling you, first of all, to go subscribe to the Arsenal way. We've, uh, we've uh, hit 9,000 subscribers over there, so thank you so much everyone that's helped uh, tune in and help us raise that amount. I know that so many of you have followed us over from the Guna Talk uh, over there as well, but uh, loving that stuff. Oh, Clive, I'm so glad that you put that in the chat. Um, speaking of the articles that have gone out yesterday from myself, uh, we did one talking about kind of the, the, the young right-backs coming through and are battling out at the moment. Uh, with Cedric and Tommy Asu for next season. We did one on how Steve Clark's given Mikel Arteta a lot to think about in regards to using Kieran Tierney and how he might get the best there for out of Nuno Tavares. And in a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek piece, we also did one, myself and Bailey, talking about 
how we would design the perfect celebrations should we get a win over Wolves on Thursday. Some might call it a bad omen. I just call it a bit of fun, and it is quite funny. So uh, if you want to go give that a read and see how I would do my hyperbolic reaction to an Arsenal win, it's all there. Um, now, as Clive said, your chips. Ah, <laughs> Thank you, Clive, for tuning in. Much appreciate that in the chat box. Fantastic stuff. Uh, if you haven't yet seen the new Arsenal advert, do go and check it out because it is absolutely brilliant. Um, really fantastic to see the continuation of this uh, really promotion of the, the local community in the Arsenal, Highbury, Islington area. Uh, we've had a number of these now. Ironic that we get to Ramsdale. By the time we get to Ramsdale's one, Abamyang's left and has done his one already as well. But uh, really good stuff, Clive. Good work, mate. And uh, and good work to the Arsenal as well for putting this stuff together because they are very, very inventive. Very inventive indeed. Moving forwards. Uh, interestingly, Arsenal have actually... This is a really cool story um, because Walters, who is uh, this basically 17-year-old that's joined Arsenal, uh, or not joined Arsenal, but he signed his professional contract as a 17-year-old, actually took a break from football for a bit. This is a really new one on me when I found out about this Rule Waters. Because um, I read the story, he started to make uh, appearances for the under-23s at 17 years of age, mostly because Norton Cuffey and Alabiosu are both out on loan now. So he's made some appearances and he was coming off the bench a couple of times, but now he's starting to start games. He was actually part of the Tottenham Hotspur Academy and then he took a, a break. I mean, anyone coming through the Tottenham Hotspur Academy, you can understand why you might want to take a break from football. Jokes aside, though, um, it's great to see him back in the game and clearly he's got a lot of talent because Arsenal's signing up to this new professional contract. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him continue with the under-23s despite just being 17 years of age, um, which is a great achievement for him and uh, we wish him the absolute best for the future. Um, Norton Cuffey, speaking of which, uh, according to my colleague of Football London, Chris Wheatley, uh, he is very much impressing Mikel Arteta during his loan spell at Lincoln City. You can read the story over on football.london. Um, but the young 18-year-old right-back has broken into the starting lineup of Lincoln City, playing on the opposite side to Cohen Bramall, who you may remember previously signed for Arsenal as a youngster. Uh, but he is doing really, really well, and uh, he could be one that we need to keep an eye on for the future and a possible long-term backup and even replacement for Tommy Yasu uh, if we want to go with kind of a more offensive-minded attacking right-back than what uh, Tommy Yasu currently is. He's only recovered from a, a serious knee injury earlier on in the season and he's got back fighting and has gone straight on loan as an 18-year-old and doing really, really well. So keep your eyes peeled for Norton Cuffey. We'll be discussing him a bit more on tonight's Youth Update show. Uh, also, uh, from Chris Wheatley, is uh, a few words regarding Granite Xhaka's future. And it's seemingly very possible that he will indeed move on from the club in the summer, with Roma expected to return with a bid. It's interesting that Ainsley Maitland Niles' time at Roma is not going particularly well. And there's concerns over his uh, kind of natural ability and whether or not they'll then go for a, a permanent deal in the summer. But Granit Xhaka is a player that we know that Jose Mourinho admires, that he wants, that he wants to take in and bring in his experience and his kind of his years of, of know-how and errors, clearly, as well. Uh, but Granit Xhaka is, is wanted by Roma and could move on, which could open the door, of course, to seeing Arsenal move for not just one, but maybe even two central midfielders in the summer. Um, Kieran Tierney, unfortunately, being linked again with a move to Spain. We previously talked about links with Kieran Tierney to Real Madrid. Now he's being linked with a move to Barcelona. Now, Jordi Alba is 
getting on a bit and they don't really have necessarily an out and out replacement should you know desk can play uh, right or left back but Tini would make a lot of sense to replace Jordi Alba but having just signed a new deal at Arsenal last season Arsenal would at least command a huge fee to sell him but fingers crossed there is no uh, chance of seeing Tini leave just yet but links with Barcelona with that news coming from Spain is a increasing story Moving on to the players that could sign for Arsenal and Rafinha has been linked uh, over the last 24 hours with a move. Chelsea and uh, Bayern Munich are the other two sides that are interested in signing the Brazilian winger. Has done really well since joining from Rennes uh, from Liga and hit the ground running in, in the Premier League for Leeds. Really surprised, actually, how much he's kicked on. I don't know, I mean, that's come across in kind of a, a naive or ignorant way, but when I saw the move, I kind of looked at it as a bit of a move like, oh, it's one of those classic promoted Premier League club signing, someone of you know of decent quality from a European league, and, and it's going to peter out a bit like they did with Rodrigo, to be fair. But Rafinha has, has kicked on brilliantly, and uh, to see him get on so well in the Premier League has, has definitely clearly enlightened the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea and Bayern to push for a move. Would he be a really good signing for Arsenal? I think to replace Nicolas Pepe, he would be an excellent option for Arsenal. But will that happen? I think Leeds would command uh, a serious amount of money to try and get him off their books. And the last transfer story of the day is one that has come out from Spain again, and that is Joao Felix. You may have seen the links with the Portuguese centre-forward, second-striker, However you want to describe him, he's really difficult to kind of box into a category of what you would describe him as because he's not what I would say is an out-and-out number nine. Ironically, got a lot of similarities positionally to kind of how Lacazette wants to play, not characteristically, but kind of the position of playing this second striker role. Yes, he has and has played as a number nine, but I don't see him as doing that for Arsenal, to be honest. I would see him playing off of someone like a Patrick Schick or an Alexander Izak, a player like that. But to to pay what would be needed to get him after Atletico paid around 120 million euros from Benfica, I just I just don't think that's worth the money. I just don't think it'd be anywhere near worth what we would need to pay and to convince Atletico Madrid to sell him. Uh, really, Atleti did panic when they lost Antoine Griezmann, uh, and but signing him has just simply not looked to be a good replacement at all. To the point now where they're looking to move him on, and they should have been a lot more. They they did panic with the Griezmann sale, and they should have been a little bit more stringent. They could have gone someone for someone like Araldo Tomas, uh, who's obviously now at Espanyol scoring a fair few goals. They could have got him a, a lot cheaper for around twenty million, added another striker improve the midfield, improve the defence because, you know, players that have moved on like Diego Godin have not really been replaced effectively enough. They brought in the likes of Felipe, uh, the Brazilian centre-back, but he's not done well enough. I think they needed to do a lot more uh, and I'm just not sure that Felix was the right player that they should have gone for in that moment and it did eventually cost them. The title that they won last season was very much down to the goals provided, not really by Felix, but more so to do with the likes of Luis Suarez. Although saying that, Felix did win a, I think it was October Player of the Month last season. Um, So he he has kind of patches of form, but he's just not consistent enough. Has suffered with injuries as well in the past. I would steer clear of of the money. That'd be quite... If you said that we'd get it for like 20 million, 30 million quid, I'd be up for taking a chance. But for 60 million plus, I'm sorry. I'm just not interested in going in and going for that type of money. 
Anyway, our final story and what is an unsurprising yet kind of bombshell of a story is that reports emerging that Arsenal are preparing to offer Mikel Arteta a brand new three plus year contract that would equate to around £25 million worth of investment in the Spanish manager. This is a story that is obviously going to create plenty of discussion and we're going to spend some time this morning talking about this story. But what I would say is that it's not surprising. It's not surprising at all. Uh, he's got a year left on his deal at the end of the season. And clubs don't tend to let their managers get down to that kind of figure, especially if you know they're in a situation where Arteta is right now where things are on the up. It's not surprising. Would I have offered him a new contract now? I would have waited till the end of the season to do this, to see where Arsenal are. Because things could go very wrong between now and then. They could go very right, and I hope they do. But I, there's just this feeling of, are we are we panicking a bit because of the length of time left on his deal? Uh, and are we offering him a new deal? Because if he was to, say, achieve top four, then I would have no qualms about giving him a new contract. It would have absolutely been deserved. But I just can't commit right now after two back-to-back eighth-place finishes to saying, yeah, we need to give this guy a new deal. I like the project. I like the signings we're making. I like the direction we seem to be going in. Um, but there's just there's just this something that's you know grabbing the back of my shirt and pulling me backwards to jumping on the train of saying absolutely give him a brand new deal. But I want to know what you guys think about this story. It's something that's going to obviously dominate your YouTube feeds, I'm sure, across the next 24 hours or so. So I want to get your feelings and your questions in the chat box. So let's go to the chat box now and see how you guys are feeling about these stories. Okay, <clears throat> let's uh, let's jump into the chat and see what we are all having a chat about. Um, Lay says he won't go. Simple as that. Uh, Jake Stack says it's certainly surprising to me to be saying Mikel at the wheel. Uh, Czech says make him earn it. Where else is he going to go? <laughs> a lot of places, mate. Uh, Jay Dime says I wouldn't give him that contract until the end of the season. Say we finish eighth again. Uh, Anjar says yes, agreed. Wait till uh, we finish at least top four. Um, Vinny says if you told me at the start of the season that Alba would completely flop and Arteta would get us Europa or even Champions League, I'd have snapped your hand off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad, isn't it? How things change throughout the course of a Premier League season. Peeny Ween says, regardless of our opinions about Arteta, isn't it nice to see a club giving a manager the chance to see the project uh, through uh, and through to fruition? It is nice if it works. And that's a big if. Uh, it's a huge if. Because if it doesn't work, and then we give them a new deal, what it's going to cost to get them out of that, although saying that I don't think they really ever will, to be honest, and I was chatting to Drew yesterday and I agree with him, I think it would genuinely take Arsenal finishing in the bottom half of the table close to relegation for Arsenal to have not given him a new contract. The club back him. Kroenke backs him. Josh backs him. Edu, uh, Edu and Vinay back him. He has got the full unwavering support of the club. Absolutely unquestionably has all of the support of the club possible. So it's not surprising they're going to be giving him a new deal very soon, it seems. Um it's it's just from my perspective. I just think there is there's still so many questions I've got before I can really fully commit to this. Amadeep says, how important is Ramsdale White's mentality for the upcoming run in fighting relegation slash promotion should make you very strong? It was going to be 
crucial. It's a fantastic point, actually, Amandi, to bring up that those two have faced incredible pressure. One succeeded in Wyatt. The other has done absolutely all he could and one player of the season every single time he's gone down. So absolutely, it's going to be crucial. Matt G says, Tom, if Roma don't come back in for Xhaka in the summer, do you think he'll leave? Uh, I don't know where he would go. So I don't think so. I think Roma are probably one of his only routes out of the club in the summer. MFB says what positions will need strengthening in the summer and world-class or potential. Striker and central midfield are the obvious two, and you would say world-class. Wide forward, possibly, if Nicolas Pepe leaves. Right back, depending on if Cedric leaves. Centre back, depending on if Saliba and Rob Holding leave. Uh, and maybe maybe another central midfielder, because Elneny is also going to go, too, in terms of depth. So there's a few positions for you. Uh, HB says, thoughts on Stuart Armstrong from Southampton as a midfield option. Not sure it's the quite the right level of player that we need to be looking at to push us forwards beyond just trying to fight for top four-ish. I like him. think he's doing a good job at Southampton. But I'm not sure he's the, the level that we need to look at. There are players in the midfield of Southampton, however, that can. There's players at Southampton that could be. James Ward-Prowse is certainly one. Rate him very highly. And Armando Borja, who is on loan from Chelsea as well, as another one. Uh, Saksham says, can we get RDT uh, at reasonable price in the summer? He's a top striker. Again, not sure he's of the level that we need to be looking at to push us forwards. If you're saying that we're bringing in a £30 million, 27-year-old striker that scores between 10 and 15 La Liga goals a season, I'm not sure that that's the right level of player that we should be looking at. Don't get me wrong, as an Espanol follower, I like RDT, but I don't think he's of the right bracket for Arsenal, to be honest. Henrik says, just given the new contract now, this is still a project with a lot of stuff still to do. Jake says, if we do get top four, then the narrative next season definitely would have to be title challenge. I don't think so, Jake. I don't think you go from qualify for top four to title challenge in one season, especially with the gap between, say, you look at the teams that are looking for top four right now, Arsenal, Man United, Spurs, the gap between those teams and Liverpool and Man City is huge. And those teams are going to try and strengthen as well. So if your expectation is qualify for top four next season, Premier League is the ambition. I think you've been playing too much FIFA career mode, to be honest. That's not how it works. You don't just jump from one to the other. Get yourself into the Champions League, establish establish yourself, get some stability and continue to progress. Sure, challenge as much as feasibly possible. But if we don't, if we get top four next season, don't challenge for a title the following year. To say that that would be worthy of sacking would be absolutely mad. It would be mad. I want us to see us competing for titles. But I'm realistic about the journey that it takes to get to that stage, especially with the competition and the money spent by the teams around us that are trying to do that as well. Omar says, Tom, have some faith in Arteta. You know what's really funny? You know what's really funny about comments like these is that I'm so, I try to remain so grounded about things and look at things from so many perspectives that I get so much stick from both ends of the spectrum. Arteta out end of the spectrum, Arteta in end of the spectrum. And I'm just sitting here remaining grounded and enjoying watching Arsenal, enjoying where we're going, hoping that we win the next game, that it's impossible to please everybody with your views. I want to see this project succeed. I want to see Arteta succeed because it means that Arsenal succeed. It's not about not having faith. I've got faith in the sense that I'm liking what we're doing. I'm liking the players we're bringing in. I'm liking the added discipline and accountability being put into the team. But I have reservations because of poor in-game management decisions, because of some poor previous decisions in the transfer market, because of where we finished in the league in the past. All of those things give me right to have questions. 
but it's not not having faith. I always want this team to win, and I've seen a lot of good things that give me encouragement. But there are also a lot of good things. Um, that there are a lot of things that are good, and a lot of things that you know are worthy of bringing up in a debate about Arteta. It's nothing to do with faith, and you don't need to tell me about it not being about FIFA. That's for sure. Joe says, "Who would be your ideal replacement for Arteta? Uh, probably Christoph Galtier." Uh, of the managers that are out there. Wolf says, I'm torn. The eighth place finishes are a massive concern, but I've never loved a squad like this in a long time. I think that's because of Arteta. Yeah, look, the, the creation of this squad is absolutely down to Arteta and Edu. And the way in which they're molding this team is something that I definitely am on the side of. Uh, Chilip says, I also want to wait till the summer for a new contract, but I think the progress he is making, i.g. Uh, the board uh, is confident that with more signings, they will take us very high. Living Legend says, I think that Joao Felix is the perfect signing for Arsenal. Ticks most boxes, unfortunately. I doubt if he'd prefer to play more centrally. Um, let's scroll down and see if we can get some more reaction to uh, this Arteta news. Uh, scrolling down a little bit more. Uh, Iconic says, hey, Tom. <clears throat> Big ups from New Zealand, 9pm here. Thanks, mate, for tuning in. hope you're enjoying yourself. Are you over how many times Partey shoots? If Xhaka had that many chances, he'd be a lot more successful. Uh, it's just kind of part of his game, isn't it? Uh, I think it needs to be coached a little bit more conservatively. But he had a great chance against Brentford and nearly, nearly scored. He's going to do it eventually. <laughs> We're going to be very thankful for it when it goes in. Um Deep Eleven says, mate, didn't Napoli reject a combined bid from Ruiz and Ozzyman of 100 million plus? Uh, I don't know where the story about us bidding or definitely bidding that much was. Uh, you'll have to send me a link to the article. I know I wrote a piece about how much it might take to get both of them in, um, but it wasn't anywhere near that. It was closer to 50 million pounds. I estimated that I think it would cost to get both of them in. Um no, sorry, about seven, 60, 60, 70 million, I think as well. I think it cost you about 70 million euros to get Aussie men. And if it's 60 million pounds, then you're looking at about 70 mil uh, combined for the two. Uh, Living Legend says, I think Arteta have improved remarkably under Arteta, especially after he had his signings this season. We're on a level where we can't limit our growth potential. I think he deserves a new deal. Sarvik says, potentially make the Niles destinations. He's going to be coming back. Probably bottom end of the Premier League, Sarvik, to be honest. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit more. Uh, Henrik says, with the two new incomings in the summer from America, don't you think the goalkeeper and centre-back positions have players? No. Uh, I, well, goalkeeper, yes. Centre-back, no, because trustees going. Trust is going to be going on loan, so he doesn't cover any position. Uh, and my prediction is that he'll never play a game for Arsenal, <laughs> to be honest, either. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom, as Vinny mentioned, we have won eight out of our last 10 games with Xhaka and Partey starting, dominating most games. Are they the most important partnership in the team? <sighs> Are they the most important partnership? Are Partey and Xhaka more important than Gabriel and White? Maybe. You got to think about how you rate Lukonga and and uh, and Holding and coming into the side. If you take out one of Gabriel and White and put in Holding, does the quality of the defence drop more than if you take out one of Xhaka or Partey for Lukonga or El Neni? It's a good question, and I'm not sure there's much difference between the two. To be fair, Maximia says, and by the way, thanks for your comment about Latte Firm. Uh, FK sent me that. Hi Tom, if Xhaka is wanted by Roma for around sixteen million pounds that Fabian Ruiz is going for, why would they not go for him? 
uh, a bit surprising not many takers in spite of the low figure being asked um <clears throat> we obviously we don't know the the reality uh, we only know the reports coming out from um from italy at the moment and we don't know about any behind the scenes interest that we not all interest is reported believe it or not like <laughs> you don't always find out about every bit of interest that is happening and I think that is certainly the case that's happening with Fabian is that we're hearing about Arsenal's apparently representatives meeting with his agents, but there'll be lots of discussions with clubs going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about at this stage. Um, Ian says, why not, Tom? I thought that this owner cares for this team. We need to challenge. Otherwise, we will lose our young guns. It's mental. INF, that's, if that's in response to saying that if we qualify for top four, the expectation should be a title challenge the following season, that's mad. That's honestly, it's ridiculous in the, in the most respectful way possible. That's mad. That's absolutely mad. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Savic says, Oh, we've done that one already. Uh, it's Fabio Carvalho worth a consideration. Says, Daz, I think he'll probably be going off to Liverpool, will he not, at the end of the season? Uh, if he says, I'm not Arteta out nor in, but I've seen enough to tell me that I'm not convinced with this geezer. Uh, Henrik says, does Clive Palmer have the sexiest and smoothest voice in the world? Well, if you've listened to those adverts, you probably will understand that he does. I don't at the moment, as you can probably tell. My voice <coughs> keeps breaking. Hopefully it sorts itself out. Give me give me two seconds. Just need to moisturize <laughs> the old vocal cords. Uh, Namdi says, hi, Tom. A re-eighth place finishes. Wouldn't you say recruitment strategy is an executive decision that affected this? Imagine where we would be if the hard reset started a summer earlier. The thing is, Namdi, is I think the hard reset could have started summer earlier. I think there was early mistakes made by uh, by Arteta. Uh, not so, yeah, by Arteta and by Adu with some of the signings like Cedric, Marie and Willian. Uh, I think those signings basically were, and arguably you can put Partey into the bracket, not as a mistake, but as kind of the age bracket of what they were wanting. When Arteta first came in, I think there was a pressure to to win the Europa League and to win immediately. That, that pressure was absolutely there. And I think they recognised in the first year that it's it just wasn't going to happen, especially with the players that they chose. And I think they chose wrongly with Cedric and Marie and um, and, and Willian. And I think they recognised that they made a mistake there, that they wanted to win almost straight away. So what they did was is that they've, having recognised that and then, with Arteta kind of integrated for the year plus that he was, realised that this squad needs a massive overhaul, that we need to go young, we need to invest young, and that we need to bring in players that are going to gradually see us through a long-term period of success rather than pump a load of money in now to, say, players between 25 and 30 that are going to get us to where we're going to go for the short term but quicker. And that would ultimately, maybe in two, three years' time, have a more detrimental effect for our long-term ambitions. What the, the strategy is looking like now is to invest young and to push forward these younger players and hopefully combine them with world-class players in the upcoming summer window to see a longer period of success formed. The, the risk associated with it is that we've got a very young, inexperienced coach who's got a, an absolute vision in his mind, but it's whether or not we can deliver that. Um, that's that's the big question, and that and if we achieve top four, you would have to say that's a huge sign that we absolutely can achieve that. We did our Twitter space last night, by the way, for those that didn't know, we do them every two weeks on a Tuesday, and we had a really good discussion about kind of the term standards that gets used. It's something that when I have a chat with Dan Potts quite often, that word comes up. Like my standards for Arsenal is top four. My standards for Arsenal is 
getting to a title challenge and being top of the table, etc. And I find it really, I find it a really interesting debate because my standards are for Arsenal absolutely to be back to where they are. I want to see Arsenal back where they are. But I'm just, my mindset about the club is realistic to the fact that it's going to take time to get there. It's going to take the right decisions made over a long period to get us to what, say, Liverpool have done. And we've spent a ridiculous amount of money really badly in the past, and it's set us backwards. It's making us take these steps backwards. And we're now putting measures in place to try and take steps forward from a a position that we shouldn't be in in 2022. But because of previous errors, we unfortunately are. So it's a frustration, um, but it is ultimately where we are and where we need to move forwards. Uh, and fingers crossed we see that. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit more. Uh, Clive says, is it true Fabian has eaten too many chips and can't run? I am hopefully putting together a uh, tactical breakdown on him very soon. So, uh, look, I'm going to disprove this myth about his <laughs> about his mobility. It's mental. Um, Jabu says, please do a tactical breakdown on Holland, please. We're finishing thirds. I mean, to be fair, I wrote about this last night. I said... If we get Champions League football, there is no reason why Arsenal should not activate the release clause. I'm not saying that we'll be successful, far from it. And I'm, to have confidence about Arsenal being able to sign Haaland would be bordering on mania. It really would. But Arsenal should absolutely put their hat, their, you know, toss the hat into the ring without a shadow of a doubt. We should absolutely activate the release clause. Why not? If you don't buy a ticket, you can't win the raffle, uh, as they say. Um Paul says, Tom, you didn't mention Aubameyang saying Arteta wished him well when he left. Sorry, I must have missed that. If he did, I'm not surprised that he did. So, yeah, he also wrote, <laughs> Aubameyang also said that his only problem was with Arteta as well. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Angel says, where would Bert Leno go? Uh, Germany or Turkey, I think would be my prediction uh, of the two places, I think. Or maybe Newcastle, I suppose, is another one that you could point out. Uh, Manu says, with buying from rivals, how do you balance the importance of losing a key player and giving them funds to rebuild? Example, Woods and Veghorst. If Burnley go down, Newcastle have absolutely uh, done the right thing. But you can't say that Burnley didn't improve on Chris Woods by signing Veghorst. I think it was a really tactical piece of business by Newcastle that backfired. What they should have done is signed Val Veghorst. That's what they absolutely should have done. And I don't think they had in that time the place. I don't think they had the scouting department. I don't think they had the director in place at the time to recognize kind of a silly mistake that they were making. It looked on the surface really clever. But as soon as Burnley, who have got more of an established uh, network of looking for talent, hence why they've signed some very decent players in the past, Maxwell Cornet being one of the most recent examples, and now Vout Veghorst, look, they were always going to come out of a, a contingency that maybe even will send Newcastle down. I hope that it does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I used to hate Burnley, but you know, it's hard not to dislike Newcastle right now and hope that they do go down. Chuck Perk says, I haven't heard much about Vinay and his dealings with agents. Has there or will there be an investigation by the club? I don't know. I've heard nothing about that, but uh, do send me any information that you have on Twitter. I definitely would be uh, willing to see it. Deep Lemon says, Dan Potts is Arteta out through and through. Look, I did a show with Dan the other day where he kind of explained where he's at. Uh, so if you want to kind of get more into the mind of understanding why he is where he is, go and watch that show because he gets a lot of unnecessary stick 
because um, he's entitled to his opinion. If you put it across respectfully, I've got nothing but time. Nothing but time at all. Neil says, Arteta's future should be assessed at the end of the season. Put a clause on his contract that is valid only if top four is obtained. I don't think that's realistic. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to expect that uh, as a clause in the deal uh, when you look at the Premier League and you look at what the competition is. It's just not realistic for Arsenal to have an entitlement. Because that's what you're saying. You're saying Arsenal are entitled to top four if you put a clause in a contract that says you are to be sacked if we don't get it. And entitlement doesn't exist in football. It just doesn't. No one is entitled to anything in this game. We can have expectations, but you can't be entitled to expect to, um, to be guaranteed something. So no, you can't put that type of clause in a managerial contract. Uh, Craig says, I feel we are uh, ahead of schedule with the rebuild at the moment. To be in the mix for top four, I agree with you. With half a squad of youngsters, to be fair, I, for one, am enjoying this. And I agree with you, Craig. I think based upon what the current strategy seemingly is, we are ahead of schedule. The issue is for a lot of people is they don't agree with the strategy. They don't agree with what we're doing. And that's the difference. A lot of people would have rather have seen an Antonio Conte or Carlo Ancelotti or Rafa Benitez brought in with immediate pedigree and experience and bought in players that were going to make us get to the top four straight away to try and get some short-term success now, to try and establish ourselves now. But the thing is with that, there is a lot more risk associated with a burnout or with a, a future collapse. Liverpool are what we've seen do it fantastically well. Chelsea as well. They've spent money. They've done it in a way in which they've been able to bring in young players, bring in Premier League proven talent and establish themselves as competitors. And they did it at the right time before the pandemic, before Arsenal started spending, you know, before Spurs could try and do anything. While Man United were sputtering around with idiotic decisions in the market, we've kind of hit the boat late, unfortunately, with a little bit of sensibility. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. And I, for one, have patience but I do need to see evidence of progression. That's that's always been my rhetoric. I have patience, but I need to see evidence of progression. At the end of last season, I didn't see any evidence of progression, hence why my position was what it was on the manager. This season, he's still here. We've got to give him fair dues, and we are progressing forwards, which is what I've asked for, is progression, always. Um, let's scroll up a little bit more. Marcus says, with the most of the older players playing going, uh, going or gone, do we need to replace uh, those players with players in their mid-20s? I think there is an argument to suggest we do need to add some players with experience. Now, the thing with the word experience does not correlate to 27-plus-year-olds always. I think we got experience in when we signed Ben White, someone who's got experience of playing in the Premier League, someone who's been helping Leeds get up to the top tier. I thought we got experience in when we got in 23-year-old Aaron Ramsdale, who's been relegated several times, has been at the bottom of the table and fighting away. That's good experience. I think that we've got experience in when we've signed players like Thomas Partey for other reasons. And I think if we sign players like Patrick Schick or Dominic Calvert-Lewin in their mid-20s, they themselves would provide experience that they have. It's not so binary that you, you associate the word experience with players of their late 20s. Experience comes from you know, where you've travelled, what you've been, what you've done. And they're the crucial things that need to be assessed. And also personality and character come into experience as well. Uh, Frankie de Jong is experienced, says Chris. Look, Frankie de Jong has had an experience, that's for sure. But yeah, absolutely. He's gained qualities. He's struggled at times at Barca. I'm not sure necessarily it's worked out as much as it should have done. 
I I really lament the fact that he never really got to play under Pep Guardiola. Maybe he will in the future, but he seems like the perfect Pep player. Maybe he will in the future. We'll have to wait and see. I have no idea how David Lewis is getting on at Flamengo. I've not checked in, to be honest. I haven't had care. Uh, Marcus says, is Renato Sancho injured? Uh, injured? Experienced. He's got experience of injuries, uh, Marcus, that's for sure. Uh, Paul says, how many world-class players do you think we should have on the pitch in order to win top trophies? As many as possible. I don't think there's a set number, Paul, really. Um, you need as many as feasibly possible. If you go up against a side of world-class players, it doesn't guarantee you wins, but it certainly gives you a much better chance. If you go up against the likes of City and Liverpool, who have got lots of world-class players, you know, you're always going to come out second best um, unless you get lucky, unless you play really, really well and have a bit of luck go your way. We nearly did in the Carabao Cup semi-final, but the second leg showed the difference in the two sides. It showed the quality that they have, and that's the difference. Uh, Jonathan David looks average, says Berica. I thought he his pressing was mad last night against a mad Chelsea side with barely any service. I thought Jonathan David pressed for his life. I struggle with <clears throat> I struggle with it when a player doesn't score in a game immediately. Average. It's not how football works. You've got to really look beyond just what you see in terms of a score sheet. And I really did think when I saw that game last night, I was really impressed with Lille, by the way. I thought they played well in the first half in particular. They harried, they pressed, they really threatened Chelsea and, you know, could have scored. So to call Jonathan David average based on that performance, I think is a... I think you would have been looking at it for a translucent vein of of just looking for goals when you need to look beyond that, especially when you're a Lille side playing against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I would say go watch uh, Jonathan David over the course of the season and last season and see his progression and see his goal-scoring ability. <clears throat> I think he's going to be a special player and I look forward to it. Um, anyway, we are going to finish things off there. Uh, you are going to get two more shows this afternoon uh you're going to get a youth update at four o'clock with myself and kev from uh next generation arsenal and then there'll be a preview for the wolves game tomorrow a little bit later on probably around eight o'clock this evening as well so lots of shows to come on the channel today do make sure you subscribe if you're not already and turn that notification bell on so you never miss a show uh, have a fantastic day uh, i will see you again very very soon and as always love the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.